Hello and how are you? My name is Zanele Domani and welcome to another episode from Discussion is a Must Trust. Guys, I am so excited to be here, you know, extending on Camp Bright. I know it took me a very long time to come out with part two, but that's because, you know, I wanted to make sure that it was good and I went back and forth a lot about the themes that I'm discussing, but I wanted to keep true to my initial idea when I wrote the story and I wanted to just, you know, make sure that I was I was doing the thing, guys. So if you haven't already listened to part one, please go back and listen to part one so that you can understand what's going on in the story. If it's been a while and you don't really remember what happened in part one, then please go have a listen. You know, you can fast forward if you need to, just so that you can get the gist of the story. But as you listen to chapter four and chapter five, I encourage you to please, you know, remember Noah, remember Zara, remember the camp and everything that's going on there. Keep those themes in your mind as I don't know if it's a big twist, but I am about to drop some twists on you guys. So don't say I didn't give a disclaimer or anything like that. Guys, please, you know, when I see your messages on Instagram or your emails, it really motivates me to write and to keep the story going. So please, guys, engage with me either on Instagram at Zanele Damani or at discussion is a must underscore trust. You can also just email me at damaniz 169 at gmail.com and I always respond. I always, always respond. And, you know, let me know what you thought about the story. Let me know if you're enjoying it, if you're not, if you want to have a debate with me about the themes. I'm always ready. Without further ado, let's get into it, guys. I really hope you enjoy. Chapter 4, title, Daisy. The fire pit is burning. People say fire has emotions. That it's alive, you know, whatever. I believe them. If I had to guess, I'd guess the fire is angry, hurt, tired. It's burning and growing and growling and all it wants to do is die. I can't take my eyes off of it. I feel like I'm in a trance, in a different world. I feel like it's trying to say something to me. The longer I stare, the more lost I feel. In between the flames, I can make out a silhouette. It's Noah. He seems as focused as I am on the flames. It's as if we're standing in front of a two-way mirror, but all that's separating us is wildfire. My alarm started to ring at 6am, like it always does. The girls asked me to wake them up for shower time. I'm not a fan of responsibility, but it felt nice to do something for them. It made me feel like I was part of the group, and not the isolated carcass I always feel like. I always angrily switch off my alarm in the mornings because I know what it means, that I have to get up and face another day in this hell we call life. But today, the annoying ring was a welcome sound. It brought me back to reality. I've always had vivid dreams, but this one was a little too intense for my liking. I woke up each of the girls by tapping their shoulders and saying it's time to get up. I stood over Laura and Catherine and watched them sleep for a second. I wonder what it would be like to be loved, you know, truly loved. 
That intense, crazy love that makes you do stupid things like write 10-page letters pouring your heart out. Loving freely with the confidence to know that even if it doesn't work out, every moment was worth it. Laura and Catherine have that, and I envy them. I woke them up by jumping onto their bed and placing myself in between them. They, of course, greeted me warmly as the three of us shared a cuddle. Zara, Catherine said, you know there's enough space for you tonight if you want to join us. I am many things, Catherine, but a homewrecker I am not, I said. Andrew knocked on the door and asked if we were awake. He gave us 40 minutes shower time and told us to get ready. The shower system was pathetic. There were only four showers, and as you know, some people have no consideration for other people, so of course I was left with ice-cold water and ten minutes to get ready. I did my best to look decent, and I hurried to walk with Catherine and Laura. Knowing you were pretty cosy last night, Zara, Laura said. Laura, you're delusional. The man is just trying to be nice, I replied. Zara, are you serious? He had his arm around your waist, Laura said. What? I replied. How do you even know that? Obviously, I took my blindfold off. I wanted to win, Laura said. Cheetahs never prosper, Catherine interjected. But, Zara, that is a little weird. Are you okay with that? It's fine. Just let it go, guys, I replied. After an annoying conversation, we finally reached the canteen. Noah opened the doors for us and greeted us. Good morning, ladies, he said. Laura and Catherine replied, but I just began to walk past him. I couldn't make eye contact with him. Before I could even enter the door, he grabbed my arm and said in an aggressive tone, Excuse me, I said good morning. It was as if he went from zero to one hundred in the space of a second. I actually felt scared. The whole line behind us stopped. It was as if time stopped. The loud conversations from my peers could no longer be heard. The silence, the silence in that moment felt as though it lasted a lifetime. It was so loud. I'm sorry, Noah. Good morning, I said. I didn't hear you. My mind was focused on some tea. He continued to stare at me as the atmosphere became heavier. We started to hear Mr. Bright's voice in the distance say, What's holding up the line? Mr. Bright was an odd man. I don't know what lessons he was trying to teach us by being so true and so honest. Don't get me wrong. I get it. You need to lead by example. That's the whole purpose of this camp. But he takes it to some real extremes, like waiting in line with us to get food and washing dishes with us. It's crazy. I wouldn't do that if I was the boss and old as hell. Noah let me go after he heard his father's voice. Wow, so let's run down the list of why I hate my life. One, I have no friends. Catherine and Laura will get tired of me being their charity project eventually. Two, the one person who showed me genuine kindness has switched up on me. Three, I've been embarrassed for the 100th time in front of these people. Walking into the canteen after my ordeal with Noah was hell. Everyone was looking at me. I don't understand why he did that. Andrew saw my face. The look I had could be noticed from space. I was trying to act strong, but all I wanted to do was cry. Zara, are you okay? Andrew asked. No, I'm not, Andrew. What Noah did was so wrong and completely unfair, I said. I'll talk to him. I think he's just having a bad day, Andrew replied. 
Why is he staring at us? God, can't a person just get some eggs, I said. Andrew laughed. I have only known him for a short time, but he definitely shares my wicked sense of humor. You shouldn't eat too much, though. We're going to be doing the tower today, Andrew said. What is the tower, I asked. It's basically a really big obstacle course that you guys are going to have to complete. It's really fun, Zara, he said. Being invisible was the constant state I found myself in. Day after day, the hell I called high school. I was constantly invisible, especially when I didn't want to be. But when I wanted to be seen, no one ever noticed me. Their eyes were glued on me, bite after bite. I just wanted to leave, to look away. My peers have never been kind to me. I would be a fool to expect any different this time around. As much as I wanted to forget my ordeal with Noah, I knew they would never let me. I didn't want to make eye contact with Laura or Catherine, so I just stared outside the window. The camp was beautiful. I'll give it that. I found myself getting lost in the trees and the flowers that covered half the path to the canteen, and of course, the small glimpse of fire pit I could see. But as I stared, and stared longer, it seemed as if there was a person there, which is odd, because everyone from my knowledge was in the canteen. Catherine, do you see anyone by the fire pit? I asked. Um, no, I don't. There's literally a person standing right there by the fire pit, I said. It's probably ground staff, Zara, Laura said. Maybe, I replied. Andrew gave us ten minutes to stop eating and get ready to do the obstacle course. I really didn't want to. It's not my thing. Ask me to run across a field and climb ropes? No, thank you. But ask me to write you an essay on the importance of education and I'm your girl. I have never hoped so much for an excuse to get out of doing something. And right on cue, Noah started walking to our table. Zara, if he's rude to you again, I think you should report him, Laura said. Fuck that, Catherine interjected. I'll hit him in the face if he tries something. I smiled, something I hadn't done in a while. Zara, Noah said, can I see you please when everyone leaves? Do I have a choice? I replied. Of course you do, he said. I just wanted to apologize for earlier. Okay, I will stay, I replied. Andrew told us to move to the obstacle course so he could explain the game. I walked up to Noah and Andrew as my peers left the canteen. I just want to speak to her for a second, Noah said. Andrew looked at Noah with a look of pure rage. Noah, in ten minutes, Matthew will come up to check on the eggs. They better be the way we left them, he said. I looked in between Noah and Andrew, and all the eggs were finished from today's breakfast. They were just empty trays. I didn't want to say anything. It was awkward enough already. Andrew left and said, Ten minutes to Noah, one last time. Why do they always do that to you, I asked. Do what, Noah replied. Speak to you like you're a child, I said. I made a mistake a few years ago and they haven't let me live it down, Noah replied. What did you do? I asked. It's not important. Follow me, Noah said. We walked through the kitchen of the canteen. Noah opened a wide door and told me to watch my step. There were a few steps, maybe four. 
Then we got to a straight passage with two doors. Where are we going? I asked. Some place a little bit more private, he said. But we were alone in the canteen, I said. Do you not trust me? Noah replied. I guess I have no choice, Noah. You've taken me down a scary tunnel, I said sarcastically. Noah opened the first door. It was nothing crazy, just an office with no windows, a chair with a computer and table, a shelf with a few books and a couch with a pillow and blanket on it. I stay here more nights when I'm monitoring the grounds to keep you all safe, Noah said. The computer has a few surveillance cameras on it. Do you want to watch a few of your friends fall off the ropes on the obstacle course? He asked. They're not my friends, I replied. But who was I to miss up an opportunity to see a few of those motherfuckers fall? I thought to myself, especially Leo. But yes, I'll have a look, I replied. If this is his apology, he's off to a really good start, I thought to myself. And this apology did not disappoint. Leo, of course, being the obnoxious idiot he is, decided to be the first to volunteer trying the obstacle course. I don't know if it was the sight of his shirtless dad bod or his extremely tight shorts that were too short for absolutely no reason. I mean, there was nothing there. Or was it the fact that I'm secretly jealous that his butt is much rounder and larger than mine? But it was definitely an awful sight watching him from the starting point. And question, why do the things you never want to see always happen in slow motion? The obstacle course was simple yet tricky, Noah explained. The whole point of the activity was to realize that you couldn't do it alone. So you start off at the starting point and run to the net climbing. Once you climb the net, you need to, oh my goodness, pause. I don't remember how he explained, so I'm just going to try my best. You know, in the army, after you climb up the wooden wall, then you have to climb back down backwards. Yes, that had to happen. I realized that day that my peers had absolutely no coordination. After you climb down, Noah continued, you need to swim to the other side of the pool. Get a flag, dirt crawl back, and return to the starting point. Catherine, of course, smashed it out of the park. That girl is a beast. Of course, Laura was just as good. Octavia was making fun of everyone, as she usually does. She didn't want to participate, but Andrew forced her to. Why such a, th why such a big grin on your face, Zara? Noah asked. Nothing, I replied. Well, I'm just grateful that I am not on that course, I said. We both giggled. Noah brought his hand to my face and gently ran his fingers down my cheek. I stared at him. He stared at me. Our eyes were locked on each other in such an intensity that I forgot about everything. The time, the course, the camp, my peers. But one thing had not left my mind. This was not new. This feeling with Noah. I had felt it before. It was so familiar just like in my dream. I pulled my head back. Zara, he said. No, I said. No, he replied. Yes, no, I said. I don't know what's happening here, Noah. <sighs> Zara, if you want to leave, you can just leave. The door is open, he said. My eyes immediately started filling up with tears. I didn't want him to say that. I don't know what I wanted. I just knew that this wasn't right. Noah continued. 
But I don't want you to go, Zara. You remind me of myself. Oh my gosh, I thought to myself, this guy is a narcissist. Noah continued. Zara, you are kind and funny. And you're not afraid to speak your mind. I find that sexy. Noah moved closer and he slowly wrapped his arms around my waist. I could feel him moving closer and closer, but I couldn't do anything. My body was moving, but not by my control. He was in control. Zara, put your hands on my shoulders, he said. I followed his instructions. Noah smiled. Noah said, Noah, I said, I think we're running out of time. Noah looked at me and turned his head to the side to check the clock. I had never noticed that he had a daisy tattooed behind his ear. You're right, Zara. We should go. I led the way out of the office. Before we reached the door to the canteen, Noah grabbed my arm and pulled me towards him. He moved his hand slowly down the back of my neck. He continued to run his hand down my back and thank God he stopped before he reached my non-existent ass. His lips were so close to mine that I could feel the warmth of his breath. He slowly pressed his lips close to mine and I felt my body tense up. After a few seconds, he slowly let me go. He looked at me and said, I think it's time you leave now, baby girl. You don't want to get in trouble for being places you're not supposed to be. Okay, we are now moving on to chapter 5. The day my life changed forever. The day my life changed forever, as I recall the events that continue to linger on in my mind. The words he uttered on replay, like when you shuffle your library, but you only have one song. He said, why are we attracted to disappointment? As humans, we have this biological need for companionship. We never really want to be alone. Even when we do, we don't. We find ourselves changing ourselves to mold into what our partner wants so they'll tolerate us and look beyond all our flaws. But even when we do that, improve ourselves to become tolerable, they still leave. Because the mask we put on to parade perfection will never be large enough to keep the flaws from creeping out and being seen. And you will be seen. And that person will realize that you will never be enough. We go through the cycle again and again and again every time we enter a new relationship. Because the truth is, no one will ever completely accept your flaws as long as the door is still open for them to leave. So maybe you should just close the door. When he said this, I was not sure of how to make heads or tails of it. I knew I was in trouble, but I still wanted to believe that there was some good in him. He was so kind, so romantic, so mature. Don't get me wrong, I loved the attention I received from him. He's always managed to make me smile. He is the only man who has heard my real laugh, my ugly laugh. I always felt that I had to hide it from my peers so they could maintain their perception of me, the perfect popular girl. In the last hours of my life, I pondered how I got here. 
I blamed myself for being so trusting and ignoring every red sign that was so clearly in front of me. I have nothing to distract me now, just four cold walls as I lay on the hard concrete accepting my fate. They were never all in the room at the same time. They each gave each other a time limit. I knew it was over by the sound of three distinct knocks on the door. I don't even know how long the time limit was. I would block off the events by thinking back to my favorite memories. My mother and I had gone out for a picnic to a nursery a few minutes from our home. My mother and I shared a fondness for flowers. I mean, can you blame us? We were both named after flowers. I remember having the sweetest strawberries and eating the most delicious apple pie. I'll never forget how angry I got at myself when I spilled ice cream on my lap. My mother assured me that it wasn't noticeable, but I'm sure people could see the white stain on my purple dress from a mile away. That was an amazing day. I wonder how she is doing now. I wish I could see her, let her know that I'm still here, but I'm confined to this place. Noah was the only one who didn't try to force himself on me. When it was his turn, he just sat in the corner and stared at me. He was really close to my age, maybe a year or so older. I asked him, why are they doing this to me? But he just answered that it would be over soon. It was in that moment that I realized I was not the first nor the last girl who will ever be in this cold room. Noah, I said. I at least deserve to know why this is happening to me, and if you will let me go. Noah replied, I don't want to do this, but I have no choice. I'm sorry. Andrew walked into the room and picked Noah up by his collar and said, We're in this together, so you might as well get yours. Noah shrugged Andrew's hand off, and he walked out of the room. As Andrew and I made eye contact, I could not believe that this was the man I so trusted. The man that showed me real affection was just manipulating me this whole time for their sick, twisted fantasies. I built up the courage to crawl towards him. He just stared at me with cold eyes. Andrew, I asked, what's going to happen to me? He kneeled down and softly brushed my cheek. I hadn't felt anything gentle from him since luring me into this room. It felt like hope that maybe, just maybe, I could get out of this. Matthew entered the room and tied my hands together with rope. I couldn't even speak to him. He's shown me that he clearly has no respect or sympathy for me. All the brothers were now in the room as Matthew tightened the ropes. Get up, Andrew said in an angry tone. I tried to bring myself up, but my legs could barely move. They watched me struggle, barely making it up each time. I had no strength. Noah eventually walked towards me and helped me up. Let's go, Andrew said. We walked out to the field. It was probably 12 o'clock in the evening. As we walked behind the camp rooms, I was holding on to Noah. I heard the sounds of my peers laughing and giggling. How is it that no one is worried about me? I've been gone for hours and all I told my friends was that I was going out for a walk. Do they seriously have no concern for me? We got to the fire pit and Noah said, 
What if she just promises to not say anything? Andrew struck Noah across the face, and he fell, which caused me to fall as well. I watched Andrew and Matthew start the fire. It made perfect sense, as the last day of camp was bonfire day, and it started extremely early in the morning, and they just needed to keep the flame alive. The fire was huge. I was transfixed on it. It was the only thing keeping me going, and at that point, also the last thing I remember seeing. I felt a sharp pain at the back of my head, followed by nothing but darkness. When I came to, it was in a way that I had never experienced before. I woke up next to the fire pit with all my peers singing camp songs and war cries. I ran towards my friends crying and shouting and barely making any sense. But it was as if they couldn't see me or hear me. I was so confused and so angry. I ran around the camp trying to get someone, anyone to listen to me. But no one ever heard or saw me or replied. The camp shut down for five years after my disappearance. No one ever found my body, which is ironic as they passed it every day. I now sit at the fire pit every day and watch Noah, Matthew and Andrew work on the pit, start new fires and kill them. Sometimes I think Noah can see me as he often sits at the pit and brings a daisy. Okay, guys, so I know, I know, I know. There were a lot of like twists and turns in this two chapters, but I'm hoping that you were able to put two and two together and, you know, understand the story and enjoy it. I'm excited to announce that there will be another three chapters and chapter six is titled Time. So let's see what that's, what that's going to be about. But just in case you missed it, Yes, Daisy was a real person and yeah, so <laughs> if you have any questions, just, you know, let me know on either Instagram or on email and I'll clear up anything for you or you can just wait until part three where everything will be explained really nice, really clearly if you feel like you're at a cliffhanger. Guys, I really, really appreciate every single person who puts themselves through the sound of my voice and when I mess up and you guys are just here and supporting me and I really appreciate it. If you like the story, if you like the theme, please send it to a friend, share and, you know, let's get discussion. There's a must trust out there. I appreciate all of you and I hope that you have a fantastic day wherever you are in the world. Bye!